Today's first scripture reading comes from the book of Genesis, chapter 2, verses 4 to 14, and it can be found on page 4 of the Pew Bibles. It's Genesis chapter 2, verses 4. This is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created, when the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Nosh now no shrub had yet appeared on the earth, and no plant had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth, and there was no one to work on the ground. But streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living being. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. A river watering the garden flowed from Eden. From there, it was separated into four headwaters. The name of the first is the Pishon. It winds through the entire land of Havilah, where there is gold. The gold of that land is good. Aromatic resin and onyx are also there. The name of the second river is the Gihon. It winds through the entire land of Kush. The name of the third river is the Tigris. It runs along the east side of the Ashur. And the fourth river is the Euphrates. This is the word of the Lord. Today's second scripture reading comes from Genesis chapter 2, verses 15 to 25, and can be found on pages 4 and 5 of your pew Bibles. Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. The Lord God said, it is not good for a man to be alone, I will make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that's what, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, this is now bone of my bones, and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called 
woman, for she was taken out of man. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. This is the word of the Lord. It is now the 8th of January, 2023. How is your first week in 2023? Has it been a good one? We trust it has, and uh, trust God is speaking and moving and working in your hearts and lives as we look at these things today. We want to welcome every one of you who have made the effort to be with us today in person, as well as to welcome all of those joining us on Zoom. And of course, we very much look forward to the moment when you return from your travel or your whatever opportunity comes that you can join us again in person as well. We look very much forward to that. And as well, I would encourage you, of course, in the announcements, you see that uh, next week your pastoral candidate is coming. And he, will, he and his wife will be here. I encourage you all to make as much effort as you can. And if the opportunity is in any way possible, please uh, get to know them. And then secondly, they'll be speaking, or he'll be speaking here uh, next week in the morning worship service as well as the evening worship service. And I would encourage you to participate. So today we want to begin a series of uh, entitled Foundations. And the reason I call it Foundations is we're going to go and look at some of the persons in the Old Testament. And we'll do a series, a short series, looking at them and understanding their account and record. Many of you have read this numerous times. Others of you have studied it yourself. But we want to look and to read it, and then not only to understand what happens in their lives, but then to look at how God leads them and as well, what revelation of God, how did God reveal himself to them through these times and their lives? The reason I find this very helpful is that if we look at our Bible, of course, there are only about the last third or 40% or somewhere in there, 30% is actually New Testament. Because some of you might ask the question, which is very valid, why do we look back at these accounts when there's so much for us to study in the New Testament? And I would just very simply say, I believe those are helpful for us as we lay our foundations in our church. And of course, in this year, IPC's concept or idea that we are moving forward with is the idea of building foundations. Now, you know, I'm an old person, old geezer, and in my geezer years, I had other missionary friends who were also geezers. And I had um, missionaries who came from another mission, not the one we served with, but one of the reasons uh, they shared with me the importance of the Old Testament. And the reason is this. They were sent in their 
ministry to serve anywhere from four to six years with a group of people who had very little, if no, and sometimes no knowledge about the Bible or about God. And what happened was they would work there for up to six years learning language and beginning studies and preaching to people about Jesus. And each time they would see people start to respond to the story and the account and the record of God sending his son. And as they did that, then even in some cases, churches would be begun. But having served such a long time, then at some point they needed to return to their home area for their own personal rebuilding as well as visit family, friends, people who had been praying for them, etc. And then they would come back. And very consistently what the mission found was as they came back, there was no sign of the church and hardly any person who had made a commitment to God. Deeply troubling. And then what happened is one of the times, one of their missionaries said, well look, the Bible starts here. Let's begin here and go through talking about the main persons. And then when we come to the place where God comes and sends his son, we will preach Jesus. What happened was this. They did that. They taught about this person and what God did and how God revealed himself. And then they taught about this person and this person. And when they got to the point where they told people about God so loved the world, he sent his only son, Jesus, to come, what they found was is that many people immediately turned to God. And not only the persons, but sometimes entire extended families turned to God. And beyond that, sometimes a whole tribe would convert. And the whole people group came to God. And the only difference they saw was they began here rather than with the story of Jesus. And what they found as they reflected upon that was what we have done is we have built into their understanding and into their concept of God, the God of the Bible. And they expect now God is going to act in our lives like he acted and he worked in the lives of these others. And of course the amazing truth <clears throat> was as they then <clears throat> came to the end of their four, six plus years they were there, they went back and came back 18 months, two years later. I remember one man sitting with me and saying, you know what happened? He said the church was not only there, it had sent its people to another people. And so all I say this is, of course, you are a very different people than they. But I think for all of us to review again how God revealed himself in these people's lives is a very helpful thing as we think about our foundations. Now this morning was read to us the account of Adam and Eve and their creation. And as you've studied, of course, all of you know that this concept of being created in the image of God is repeated in the early chapters of Genesis three times. In chapter one, it will say that God created Adam in his image. And then we'll talk about, <clears throat> excuse me, how he is going to rule over all of, El of, of the rest of creation. Here in chapter two, of course, we're going to talk in extensive detail 
about not only the creation of Adam, but the creation of Eve. And I really believe that this is the creation of mankind, and, and, and it's, that is a beginning start with Adam, and that creation continues and is not complete until Eve is also in the image of God. And then, of course, in chapter 5, it's repeated again. And each one of these three occurrences, it repeats that God made them in his image, and male and female, he created them. Now, some people would look at that and they critique the Bible and say, well, look, they can't even get it right. It's different each time. Well, that's like trying to say that there are four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and only Matthew and Luke tell us the birth of Christ. Of course, all four tell us different parts of his teachings, his miracles, and then all talk to us about his death, his resurrection. But if you put them together, what a marvelous understanding you have of the work and ministry of Jesus Christ. And so here, the same is happening. It began in verse 4. This is the uh, description of, or this is the process, this is the things of the creation of heaven and the earth. But then it also goes on and talks to us about Adam and Eve. It's the most full description of their creation. Now, why is this important? It's important that we gather the understanding of what happens with Adam and Eve because in the New Testament... Let me just read to you a couple of sources there. And what the New Testament does with these words. In verse 24, in the end of the chapter, we're going to come to the point where it's going to say that they then leave their husband and wife, or leave their parents and go to the husband is joined with his wife. Look what it says here in Ephesians chapter 5. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. And this mystery is profound. It's, it's, I am saying that the refers to Christ and to the church, and each one of you will have and love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects the husband. Well, Pastor, why have you read that? Well, in the New Testament... Paul takes this as absolute truth, as a historical event. And what he is going to say is, I am not only saying that, but it is going to teach us, it is going to show us our relationship with Christ and how that works. And, not, and beyond that, it's going to tell us our whole concept, our theology, our understanding of marriage. For this reason, a man leaves the previous generation, and he joins his wife, and then they start the next generation. So our concept of marriage, our concept of relationship of Christ to the church is contained within this, and the teaching comes out of the idea of Adam and Eve. And another New Testament reference comes from the Lord Jesus himself. In Matthew chapter 19, as he's answering a question, he answered, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? And said, 
Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two become one flesh, that they are no longer two but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. And why I want us to understand that, you see, this has become a very key idea. And the New Testament uses it again and again. Not just in the concept of sin, but it's going to tell us about the value of creation. The importance and the value of man, but also the incredible importance of woman. And it's going to teach us the theology of the Bible about marriage and about family. And we go to that and we find that as it, it shares us now, shares these things with us. It's an amazing account because in verse 7, as was read to us, and then the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living being or that can be translated a living creature, a living being or a soul. God took dust, dirt, and he formed the body of Adam, it says, and then he breathed into him the breath of life and he became a living soul. So the physical and the eternal put together in a creation called mankind. The very crown of creation the only one who has a living soul that lives for eternity, the temporal, the physical, and the eternal being created and brought into mankind. What a purpose God has for them. And, and then it goes on and says that he, he planted this garden. <laughs> that would be cool. Excuse me, I'm a son of a farmer. I have often wondered what it looked like what God planted. But it was a beautiful thing. Anyway, but this account here really goes on quickly and tells us what happens there. And ultimately, he says to he places him there, gives him work to care for the garden, but then he also says to him, you may eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat, for in the day you eat of it, you will die. And let's just leave that for a moment. But you see, God not only created him from the flesh, the dirt, and the eternal, but he gave to him this attribute, this characteristic of the freedom of his will. He could choose between good, God, evil, sin. And in the garden that was established... And then, all the way from verse 18 right to the end of the chapter, it really focuses upon the creation of Eve, the woman. And the Lord God said, it's not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. So this initiative all comes from God. And even though there's a bit of time, because the next thing that we say, see here is that Adam is given a task. He not only cares for the garden, but he's given a like, delegated responsibility of naming all the animals. And whatever name he gives them, it says God says that's going to be the name. Let me just pause here for a moment. There are some moments when in this idea of being created in 
with flesh, dirt, and eternity. And then yet God so respects and honors that creation that occasionally in times he gives us opportunity to choose. He doesn't force us, but he gives us opportunity to choose. What an amazing creation. But then he holds us responsible for our choices. And so he goes, and I found it absolutely delightful that when he created Eve, he did not go back and take another handful of dust and form this different person, but he took a rib. Now, I asked some important people, why did God use a rib? And uh, several responded, the value of woman. You see, he did take that rib. And of course, scientists would tell us that as he created, there are some distinctions, difference, the body in general, the ability to reproduce, how and what, and then either an X and X or X and Y chromosome. But you see, she came out of that. And what happened then, as she was brought to Adam, then Adam, <laughs> I remember one time trying to preach on that verse at a wedding. Have you ever tried to tell a husband to be bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh? It somehow does not relate so well in 2020. But you see, I think what he said was this. You remember what God did with him? He said, now Adam, and this was not for God's benefit because God already in verse 18 says, I know he needs a helper. It is not good for a man to be alone. But Adam needed to realize that. And so he went through and he named elephants or whatever. And the end of that exercise was he found no one fit for him. No one of whom he could cry, this is God's person for me. And here he looks at her and he cries out, ah, she's bone of my bone, she's flesh of my flesh, she's exactly who God has created for me to spend life with. Yes? Wow. And so she is. Excuse me for getting exciting about that. But I think it's so important because sometimes we just think, well, you know, God we pick this person, we choose this person, or our parents or others help us find the right person, and it, it's just all right. But what about God determining? God putting his hand in it all. God leading. And it gives in our whole perspective on marriage and life and together in a total different level. And anyway, at the end of that chapter, it says that they then, for this reason, the man leaves his mother and his father, and he they become one flesh. And so God has established then the principles of marriage, of family, and the deep respect of man and woman to one another. And you know, it is really true that particularly women have been not honored as they should be in many places. But certainly God's intent. You see, Adam is not the crown of creation. Eve is. She's been taken from his body. 
and formed into this absolute bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. And the value is just unending. But now, I'd like us to look just briefly at the following chapter. And we have five minutes to do that. The Fall, it's entitled. You see, there was a tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And there was a tree of life in the center of the garden. And God said, you may eat, you may eat of all. But if you eat of this one, you will die. And so the freedom of choice, this idea comes very strongly. And then we find in this, why in the world would someone who has been created in the image of God, who's been made from dust and the eternal, and has an eternal soul, choose rather than life, choose death? And we know at the end of chapter 3, it's going to say, God is saying, well, man has become like us and knows the difference between good and evil, and therefore we're going to place him outside of the garden, lest eat of the tree of life and live forever. So they could have chosen life, but they chose death. That's not a simple choice. And how did it happen? Of course, it says that then evil comes and it tempts them. And listen what evil does. You see, it's not just the symptoms of sin. Sometimes we look at that and say, well, this and this. But it is the very root cause. And the root cause, which is pointed out to us here again and again, is the very fact. They have this opportunity to choose. But they choose death rather than life. So evil comes and says to the woman, beginning there in verse 1, Did God actually say, you shall not eat of the, any tree of the garden? So the very first question that comes is the question, did God say? In other words, do you, did you really understand him correctly? Or is there another meaning to that? And the woman answers correctly, and she says, yes, the Lord did say you may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden. If you touch it, you will die. Then listen to the, to the serpent as it speaks, evil as it speaks. It said to the woman, you will not surely die. So it goes from casting doubt on what God has said to actually telling a lie. Why would someone made out of dust and eternity. Believe this rather than the truth of God. And then it even goes further. And it says, but God knows if you eat of that, your eyes will be open and you'll be like God. So not only did he say something and questioning that, and not only telling a lie, but then coming down to casting doubt on the very character, integrity, and truth of God. As we read through, studied 1 John, John in his study actually goes a bit further into that. And listen to what he talks about. We would say that she was tempted. And if you read the end of the chapter, it will say, Eve will say, the evil came and 
it actually deceived me. But John calls it temptation. says, do not love the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For I say that all is in the world. Listen carefully. The desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and pride of life is not from the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away along with whoever does, uh, with the desires, but whoever does the will of the Lord lives. So in that, what he says to us, look, there are these desires. And look what she does. So the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was a delight to the eyes, and the tree was to be desired to make one wise. In other words, what is happening here, the exact thing that John in his writing has described, is there is this desire, and God has said it will bring death. And she looks at it and says, I think it's good. And then God has told her that you shall not eat of it, but she looks at it and says, you know what? It doesn't really look bad to me. And then it says, and then even not only does it look good to me and it doesn't look bad, but you know what? If I do that, how would that look like in 2023? You know what? I know that's, the Bible says that's wrong. But you know what? I think it's good. Oh, that might, the Bible says it's death, but you know, I don't think it's really that bad. Or, yes, I know God has said this, but I am choosing to believe this. And so as we go through this whole chapter, and then, of course, at the end, there is God coming. And it's amazing. As God comes, he asks them questions. Where are you? Because they're hiding now, afraid of God, ashamed of what they have done. Where are you? And they had to identify And then they had to come and say, but I'm hiding because I know that we're naked. We cannot come before you in the form we are. And God says, how do you know? Who told you? Of course, their conscience now has shown them that they are wrong. And then eventually he says to them, who or did you actually eat the fruit? And they had to then say, yes, I did. Of course, Adam, as typical man said, God, the woman that you gave me, she made me do it. But then he does confess and say, I did it. And Eve, of course, says, well, actually, evil tempted me and deceived me, and then I did it. So they repented, and at the end of the chapter, of course, God puts them out, but he clothes them with skins, meaning there has been a sacrifice to deal with their sin. So what do we take out of that? I think in 2023, we'll find the story and the account and the record of Adam and Eve will shape our understanding of family. It will shape our understanding of gender, of male and female. It will shape our understanding of marriage. It will also determine our theology about sin and repentance. It's a huge story. What do we do with it? You know, in the New Testament, Paul writes in Romans that through this one person, sin has entered. And through one person, through the resurrection of life has come. And also that through one, Adam, sin entered and sin 
had its working and brought death, and therefore we all die. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. So may I leave you with this account and ask you to review it in the next days. But could I leave you with this thought? In 2022, life is different than it was for them. But there are still these voices. Did God say? It won't kill you. He knows that if you do this, you're not going to get the best of your life. Or do you hear the voice of God? Where are you? Who told you it was wrong? Did you? You see, God comes with his questions to find us where we are and to lead us through his questions and the conviction of his spirit back to relationship with him. Evil comes and whispers in our ear or our conscience or our person and leads us away from God to the point that we who were created in the image of God that dust and eternal that come together in men and women to worship and have relationship with God. Evil is out to destroy that. But God is there to restore it through Jesus Christ. My question to you today, which voice do you consistently listen to? Let's pray. Father, thank you again for this opportunity to be here together. And I do want to pray now in the name of Jesus that you work in our hearts and lives. Lord, as we look at our present day world, we see so many things that are there. We even look at the whole concept of whatever, marriage, family. All of these things, Lord, that you have established through your creation. And God, we simply bow before you and worship you. We pray, Lord, that we would hear the voice of God, the truth of him, who speaks to us out of love and yet out of direction to show us how to restore our relationship with you. So we commit ourselves to you now this morning or this afternoon and pray in Jesus' name that your hand of blessing will be upon each one in Jesus' name.